Let me tell you a story, podcast number 106. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Call me Ishmael. It was the age of wisdom. Some years ago, it was the age of never mind it is a how long You don't know about me without you. Welcome to Let Me Tell You a Story with your hosts, Steve and Becky Lyles. Settle back into your seat, step onto your favorite fitness machine or lace up your walking shoes and enjoy stories from a variety of genres and authors. Hi, I'm Steve. Hi, this is Becky. Welcome to Let Me Tell You a Story. I met Rebecca Brian Howell, or Becca as we know her, eight or nine years ago at a Treasure Valley Writers Group. Since then, We've made it a point to connect now and then to catch up with each other and with each other's writing endeavors. Becca kindly agreed to do this catch-up live on Let Me Tell You a Story for our listeners to enjoy. So while I've been writing mostly fiction during the years we've known each other, Becca has focused on nonfiction. Well, actually, her first book is a combination of fiction and nonfiction. She's written two books, and we're going to talk later about those and have her read from them. But first, we'd like to ask her about her writing history. Becca, your bio begins with Rebecca Brian Howell is a writer of stories, songs, poetry, articles, and study materials that weave sunshine into cloudy weather, fresh air into muggy circumstances, and hidden treasures along the worn and dusty paths of life. So that leads me to ask, have you always written? Did you write sunny, fresh air poetries and stories as a kid? Yes, I have written since I was very young. I probably started recording my writings around the age of 14, usually with short poetry. And I do enjoy taking life circumstances of all different kinds and bringing the sunshine out in any way that I can. So what kind of poetry do you write? I write a lot of long ballads that tell a story. I have also written a lot of gift poetry for people's birthdays or anniversaries or special occasions. I've written some Christmas pieces that have been shared in, at different occasions, and quite a variety, children's poetry, a lot of different types of poetry I enjoy. So do you do custom poetry? For hire, like for birthdays and that kind of thing? I have never done that before, but yes, I believe that I could. That sounds fun. I would like to do that. But you're in business now. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Turning the corner a little bit, do you have any favorite books from childhood on? uh, And uh, any books that do you feel changed your life? I think probably the only book that changed my life is probably the Bible, but I do have a lot of childhood memories of our family reading together. My mother read poetry books to us as children. There was a series called Childcraft that had several books of poetry, and that may have been where I got my love of the rhythm and the rhyme. Also, we read series of books as a family, and when I had my own family, we read the Laura Ingalls Wilder books together also, 
And it was always a great family experience. And we learned a lot from all of those. So what about the songs part? You write, it says you write songs. Tell us about that. Yes, I've written a lot of songs, probably between 150 and 160. I have not performed songs very much. Our family was very musical, but we were hometown musicians that were self-taught, and it's something we did as a hobby. Basically, if you can write a poem and you have music in your heart, you can write a song because you can attach the two together. And so I have written a lot of songs. Some have come from poems that the music was attached to later as I sat and played at the piano. And others have been a tune that came to my mind that I worked out on the keyboard and attached the words to later. So yes, I've written a lot of songs. I've shared some of them. I've recorded some of them mainly as gifts for people, but not necessarily professionally or to sell. What led you to write and publish your first book, The Littlest Warrior? The Littlest Warrior was a cry of my heart. My daughter, after having three sons, lost her fourth son just before birth, after carrying him for eight and a half months. This was a great tragedy, and I had no clue how to communicate with her about it. I had never lost a child, and I prayed for her a lot and knew that it would take time for the sorrow to be healed. And during this process of grief, a story began to form in my mind. As I thought about my little grandson and where he is now with the Lord in heaven and how perfect his world must be compared to the one that he was not actually born into. And as the story came, it came very quickly. I immediately had all the chapter headings, and I began to write what Brady's life would be like in heaven and how it might be if the Lord allowed him to grow up in heaven, be a little boy in heaven, have friends in heaven, meet relatives and have celebrations in heaven, and grow up into a true warrior that was a part of the big plan of the universe in God's kingdom to fight against evil, clear up until the second coming of Christ. And so that was how that book came about. And when I did give it to my daughter, she told me that Uh, It was a great healing thing for her and that instead of picturing her baby in her arms, gone, a baby with no life, that she was able to have closure and always picture Brady as a little boy having fun like little boys should and being happy and filled with laughter in heaven. So... Just to give you an idea of the summary of the book, I'll read what the Amazon intro says on Amazon.com. It says, The Littlest Warrior is a book about hope and anticipation. Life will never on this earth be free of sorrow and loss, both of which were factors in the writing of this book. Sharp turns we could never expect may toss us into stormy seas, that we are not prepared to navigate. And one of the worst imaginable is the loss of a child. 
In times like these, God and heaven seem far away. Your tears may flow as this tiny soul is whisked away, but you will travel with him to a place where goodness and pleasure are plentiful, where dreams are reality and love flourishes, where worry and disappointment will never cloud his days. Let your spirit be lifted to a new level of faith and expectancy. As you hear his laughter and witness the sheer delight of his captivating cherub-to-youth adventures, come with me to another realm where the possibilities are endless, a place of unparalleled beauty and profound peace where God lives and where loved ones wait to greet us at our journey's end. It's beautiful, Becca, and what a great idea and what a gift to not only your daughter but to the rest of your family. It sounds like it would also be good for anybody who's been in that situation who has lost a child. I have had opportunities where I was able to share the story with people who had lost children. And it is a blessing and it has been a positive closure for many others in that situation. To be able to see their child in a happy place and not think of the sad part of losing somebody that they love, but to be able to see their child in a place where every child would want to go and where every child will be happy and fulfill their dreams of every joy that they can imagine. So yes, it has been a wonderful tool for positive closure in situations like that. Becca, your second book which is titled A Song in the Night and just came out, is similar to the first in that it's also about a family member, yet it's quite different. Can you tell us a bit about it before you read an excerpt for us? Yes, A Song in the Night is my mother's biography. It's the story of her life. She's an amazing Christian woman, and she has had many adventures. Her family came from strong early Idaho pioneer stock, and the stories that she tells are amazing, and she has kept track of those in journals and has even recorded cassette tapes of her life. So I was able to take all of those materials and blend them into a wonderful story that was very fun to write and will be a wonderful gift for posterity for her family who follows behind her. My mom's story is filled with adventure in that their family often moved from place to place. I'm not sure how many times she moved in her life, but many times it was two or three times within one year. So the excerpt that I am reading is regarding one of those moves before I begin this excerpt, I will tell you that the title, A Song in the Night, is taken from basically the theme of my mother's life. She always had a song in her heart. Life is tough, and her life was as tough as any other, and yet she was able to be sustained and live victoriously and happily and contented because she always had a song in her heart and a song in the night. This particular excerpt is taken from a time when she was a young child and their family was embarking on another adventure 
moving from Southern California to the state of Arkansas. This section is called Arkansas Adventure. When Daddy came home from his trip to Idaho, some church friends, the Edmonds, wanted him to go to Arkansas with them to start a church. They said the small community could not support a pastor, so the little church had been closed and the windows boarded up. They explained that there would be a rent-free house for our family to live in if Daddy would take up the pastorate. So we packed up for another muscle family adventure and hit the road for the Ozarks with old Mr. Edmonds, his son Clarence, and pregnant daughter-in-law. On the way, Mrs. Edmonds wanted to ride in the car and visit with Mama and Daddy, so she asked if we kids could ride in the back of her husband's truck. He had a bed back there and plenty of room, so Daddy agreed. Their boxes and furniture were tied into the front part with the comfy bed in the back. We were all having so much fun riding in the back and watching the scenery whiz by through the wooden slats. After a couple of hours, Daddy began to blow the horn, and when we pulled over, he said he wanted all of us back in the car. The desert sunset dominated the landscape as it began to get dark near San Simone, Arizona. Mama always brought blankets in the car because there was no heater, and I remember getting into a cozy spot and feeling sleepy. Before long, I woke up to someone saying, Oh no, that's Clarence. There he stood, all covered with blood and waving his hat. As Daddy pulled over to the side of the road and jumped out, Clarence cried, I turned the truck over and I think I killed my dad. Daddy always protected us from seeing bad things, so he ran back to the car and said, Everybody stay in the car. Give me the flashlight, quick. Clarence had fallen asleep at the wheel, and their truck had careened over an embankment, spreading their furniture and belongings all over the desert. No one was killed, but they were bruised and scraped. Mama turned the incident into another life lesson and exhorted us later, Daddy felt like all of you kids should get back in our own car, and if you hadn't willingly obeyed, you could have been killed in this wreck. Praise the Lord for his protection. Mama's journal says that when we got going again, their truck was being pulled behind our car and small utility trailer. In the mountains near Lordsburg, New Mexico, our car broke down and we discovered that the axle had broken from the stress of pulling the additional weight of their truck. So we took Mr. and Mrs. Edmonds with their baby into our car with our family of nine, and sat there all night long waiting for morning. Then we cooked pancakes over a sagebrush fire, and the men went for help in town while the women and children stayed in the desert with the vehicles. It was February, and the weather was cold and windy. We got the axle fixed, and the Edmonds rented a motel room where we stayed overnight and took baths. Our family started out alone for Arkansas then because our friends had to wait for their own truck to be repaired before they could continue the trip. We broke down again near Pecos, Texas and had to look for another axle. My brother David had been scolded for tormenting one of the girls and his punishment was to sit on the running board of the car and remain still. 
While he sat there, he watched Mama trying to get a fire started for cooking, but the desert wind kept blowing it out, so he came up with another one of his ingenious inventions. Mama, if you'll let me get up from this running board, he offered respectfully, I will make you a fire that won't blow out. He carved out a place in the bank alongside the road that was sheltered from the wind. We were there for three days, cooking anything we could find. When the axle was fixed once more, we traveled on and finally reached Arkansas. The road into our destination was washed out and rocky, and we were very disappointed to discover that the house was totally unlivable. The windows were broken out and boarded up, the doors were off the hinges, and the spring was polluted and full of pollywogs. We found an old teeter-totter hidden in the tall weeds and ran out to play. Before long, however, we heard Mama's frantic voice calling us back. You kids get in here quick. There are ticks and chiggers in Arkansas and you'll get bit if you don't get out of those weeds. It was getting dark and there was no electricity in the house. So she gave us a bite to eat and we made our beds on the floor for the night. In the middle of the night, we were awakened by Mama's frantic whispers. Kids, get up, quick. Daddy's dying. He can't breathe. We have to go back to California. Daddy was having a severe asthma attack, and between the Arkansas climate and that old country shack, he was apparently getting worse by the minute. We had to leave that place. Pray, Mama directed us in low, anxious tones. Get your shoes on. She and David threw everything back in the car and the bedding in the trailer. Mama was so little, but I remember her and David struggling to get the mattress on the top, cover it with the tarp, and tie it on with ropes while Daddy sat gasping in the driver's seat. Mama sat beside him to help him drive and shift gears, and David was up front too. It was very traumatic as we headed out through the damp fog and tall weeds but I was graced with the ability to sleep under almost any circumstances, and I soon drifted off. I awoke to a sunny desert morning with a clear blue sky. Daddy was driving down a smooth highway and seemed to be breathing fine. We stopped alongside the road for a while and built a fire on the sand where Mama could cook a pot of beans in a cast iron pot. As we waited, a fat meadowlark flew into an overhead wire and fell right in front of us. Daddy plucked and roasted it, and everybody but Mama got one bite. After traveling a while longer, our car stalled next to an abandoned service station. We needed water, so Daddy hitchhiked into the nearest town to get help. David now had the idea that he could kill birds for food. There were many of them nesting under the eaves of the old station, so he began pelting them with rocks. Mama was sad as she sat with her little brood in the middle of the desert and watched David. She said, that poor child has tried all day to get a bird for food. As she walked and prayed, she found a tiny stick pin in the dirt that said, peace and she took it as a token of God's grace and help in our time of need, 
She kept that little pin all her life in a treasure box until she died. That same day she found seven cents in the sand and exclaimed with praise that it would buy a can of milk for our cornmeal mush. So Daddy bought one the next time he hitched a ride into town. We were out in the middle of nowhere and not one car came along to stop and help us. We just waited and prayed. Rosemary and I were running barefoot in the sand, following David as he pointed out cactuses and other desert plants. Stop, he shouted suddenly. There are snakes everywhere. They matched the color of the sand and we were horrified to see them raising their heads to strike with their tongues slithering in and out. Run, David reacted quickly. They could be poison. We heard no rattling that I can remember, but I was as happy to get back to Mama and our car as if I had narrowly escaped from a pit of diamondbacks. And, of course, that was our last desert excursion because Mama wouldn't let us wander around after that. Thankfully, the closest town was only about seven miles away and Daddy made enough trips to bring water for Mama to cook with and to bathe the kids one at a time in our tin tub. Sometimes David went with him to help carry water back. Mama was always afraid for them to ride with strangers and as they set off with the canteen and with their thumbs out, she would pray fervently for their safety. Daddy sent telegrams to California to see if some of the people who owed him money for the furniture he sold them before our move could send their payments by general delivery. Also during this time, he went to a church and met a kind man who gave him a leg of lamb to feed his family and $10 which filled the gas tank. My folks had not planned on exiting Arkansas in such a hurry, so we were not prepared for the trip back but we crept across the desert, one tank of gas at a time. The next tank of fuel was obtained by selling Mama's iron, which she wondered how in the world she could live without. Daddy explained convincingly that as soon as we got back home, he could work and buy her another one. Daddy's tools, or at least some of them, were the next to go, and this time he stopped at a store and bought some groceries. For the first time in my life, I tasted Van Camp's pork and beans and have loved them ever since, cold, right out of the can. Neither had we ever had a Ritz cracker and found these to be a tasty and satisfying treat. The trip to Arkansas and back to Los Angeles, California took three weeks, and it was the longest three weeks of my life. I cannot imagine how my courageous little mama endured such trouble bravely following her husband through all of his ups and downs with seven children in tow. This was not the end of the Arkansas adventure because the used axle Daddy had purchased in the desert had faulty gears, which he had to file himself by hand in order to fix it once more along the way. Great story. I love it. Thanks so much for reading and for being here, Becca. Before you go, we want to share your contact information. I know you have a website and a Facebook page, and how about an Amazon author page? Yes, I do have all of those. My Facebook page is new, but I do have a Becca's Books and Writing Facebook page as well, and I can be reached on Facebook. Also, I have a website 
that is fairly new where I post a lot of my writing and you can go to www.prismoflife.com P-R-I-S-M-O-F-L-I-F-E prismoflife.com and click on my books tab to get to my books. They may be purchased there on my website. There's also a contact square where you can contact me on the website. And yes, I do have an Amazon author page under Rebecca Brian Howell, B-R-Y-A-N-H-O-W-E-L-L, Rebecca Brian Howell. And my books can be purchased there as well. So The Littlest Warrior and A Song in the Night can be purchased on Amazon. Is that both ebook format and print or maybe even audio? I have both of the books in ebook format. The printed version of The Littlest Warrior is also available. The printed version of A Song in the Night has bonus material that is valuable to me and I believe it will be to many readers because it is a list of approximately 22 life lessons from my mom's legacy that she wanted to share with her readers and it can be turned into a bible study or just enjoyed as keys to victorious and happy living. That's a great idea to add the bonus material. So thank you so much for being part of our podcast. Thanks for coming, and that's all for now. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, happy reading. Thank you for listening to Let Me Tell You a Story. Please email your comments, suggestions, and submissions to story at beckylyles.com. Steve and Becky like to hear your thoughts, and they encourage authors to send stories and other short prose and poetry for them to read on the podcast. You can learn more about Becky's books by visiting beckylyles.com or by searching for her books online. Her nonfiction titles can be found under the name Becky Lyles and her fiction under Rebecca Carrie Lyles. All of her books are available in both print and ebook formats. Winds of Wyoming and Winds of Freedom are also offered in audio format online. That's all for now. Tune in next time to enjoy a fresh assortment of stories on Let Me Tell You a Story.